Good morning, everybody. I'm Kenny Longo, in case you don't know me, and one of the pastors here, Grace. And as you know, Brian and Kirsten are in Mexico for a couple of weeks hosting teams. We're going to pray for them uh, at the end of the service today. Um, it's exciting that there's teams going to Kiram House again after three years. Amen. So here we are at a middle school in Madison Heights. Who would have thought a year ago this is where we would be? Um, we've had a lot of change as a church. Mark, our founding pastor, stepped down after 34 years. We're selling our building. We're renting in a middle school. Some land has been donated, and we're building across the way. Like, there's a lot going on. So what I thought we'd do this morning is look at the first 11 verses of the book of chapter 1 in the book of Philippians and see if we can draw any parallels between the Philippian church in the first century and Grace Church in 2022 and thereby gain some wisdom and, and some encouragement for this season that we find ourselves in. So let me pray for us and then we'll, get, we'll dive right in to Philippians. Jesus... Um, we're so grateful for you. We celebrated communion today and we remembered your death for us, Lord, that made it possible for us to once again come to the Father, become children of God. And Holy Spirit, we give you free reign this morning. Give me the words to share and then speak to my brothers and sisters the words you want them to hear as we break your word together this morning. Uh, Jesus, may you get all the glory as we worship, as we study your word, as we fellowship with one another, we declare it's all about you, and we give you the thanks and praise this morning in your name. Amen. All right, so let's see how these clickers work. And how am I going to know if it clicked? All right, Adam, can you switch me? A little, you know... Well, which button? There's four of them. <laughs> Try them all. There we go. It's the right-hand button, Adam, just to help speakers in the future. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Uh, we printed the scripture on, uh, on an insert in the bulletin, in case you can't pull it up on your phone. So chap uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so what do we know about this letter to the Philippians? Well, first of all, we know that Paul wrote it. And he begins his greeting, Paul and Timothy, because Paul wrote this from prison about 63 AD, and Timothy was there ministering to his needs. So it's, he, he writes Paul and Timothy, but it's really Paul who wrote the letter. And he's writing to the church that's in Philippi. So what do we know about Philippi? Ah, it worked. There we go. So here's a map. I love maps. Uh, this is Paul's second missionary journey. And you, you see where Philippi is. It looks like it's on the coast, but it's really 10 miles inland. But it was on an important trade route between the Aegean and the Adriatic Sea. So people on their way to Rome had to go through Philippi. It was a pretty strategic city. And, you know, God knew what a good place to plant a church. All right, so that's uh, Philippi. Now, how did a church get to be founded in this city of Philippi? Oh, yeah, exactly. So here we go. Next 
We, for that, we look at Philippians 4, 14 to 18. This is the occasion of the letter. Why, did Paul, why is Paul writing to the Philippians? And he says in chapter 4, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. So the church, we'll, we'll look at a minute how the church got founded, but this was a church very dear to Paul who regularly supported him ever since they were founded. And so they had sent a gift with, uh, by the hands of Epaphroditus to Paul in Rome. He received the gift, and then he sent Epaphroditus back to the Philippians to thank them for the gift he'd given. So unlike some of the letters of Paul where he's, he's writing to correct them, like false doctrine of the Galatians, or in the Corinthians, false practice, they were doing some things they shouldn't be doing. Philippians is not a letter of correcting them. It's a letter, it's a thank you letter, and then he takes some time to encourage them, and he dearly loves this church. Now to, to, to find out the history of how did this church get established, you have to go to the book of Acts chapter 16. And if we had time and we did hour-long messages at Grace, we'd go through the book of uh, Acts chapter 16. It's a great chapter, but I'll just summarize it for us, okay? So Paul is, can I go back, Adam? Yeah, yes. So Paul's in Asia Minor, which is Turkey. He's ministering on his second missionary journey, and he gets a vision from a man in Macedonia that says, come and help us. So Paul thinks that, you know, he takes that vision that it's from God. And so he goes to Macedonia from Asia, um, from Asia Minor, and Philippi was in the eastern province of Macedonia. He goes with Silas, Timothy, and Luke, the author of the book of Luke. So they're in Philippi, and it's the Sabbath, and they go down to the river to find a place of worship. And they run into some women, and one of the women is Lydia. And before you know it, Paul shares the gospel because that's what he does. And Lydia and all her household come to faith in Christ. A little while after, Paul runs into a slave girl who's got a spirit of divination. It's like a demon, but she can tell the future. And she's making her masters lots of money. So Paul ends up exercising the demon. Her masters get upset because there's their source of income gone. And um, they get the city magistrates to... Get Paul to uh, put Paul and Silas in jail. They're in, you know the story. It's midnight. They're in jail, but they're praising God. There's an earthquake. The doors open. The chains fall off. The jailer is about to kill himself because he thought all of the prisoners had escaped. Paul prevents him from committing suicide. Says we're all here. They turn on the lights, and the jailer says, "What must I do to be saved?" And that would be a fascinating chapter to study, uh, Acts 16. Why, you know, why was that the jailer's first question out of his mouth when the lights came on? But obviously God was working in his life. And he and all his household come to faith. The next day, the city magistrates end up releasing Paul and Silas, but not before they founded the first church in Europe. Philippi was the first church in Europe, and Lydia was the first convert in, in Europe. So this is a church that Paul founded uh, about 11 years ago. So he founded the church about 51, 52 A.D. 
And when you think about it, 51 AD is less than 20 years after Christ died. I mean, it's, that's, think of 20 years ago. That doesn't seem that long ago. So here he plants this church only 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. And in the, in the subsequent 11 years, they have continually supported Paul in his ministry. They are very dear to him. He founded them, and they've been active in supporting him. So that's the context for this letter. And so let's, let's keep reading on in Philippians 1. Here we go. So Paul opens with, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy. Of course he did. You know, people that are dear to us, we think about them a lot, and we pray for them, and we pray with them with joy. In my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So I think this is interesting. What, what endeared the Philippians to Paul was their participation in the gospel from the first day. They were there. He was there at the first day. He saw them founded. Until now, they have been faithful in proclaiming the gospel locally and then supporting Paul on all his missionary journeys as he shares the gospel all over the Roman world. And so a deep bond of affection has been formed between Paul and the Philippians. And I think drawing a little parallel to our situation, here we are in the middle school. Um, it's going to take a lot more people and a lot more work to make Sunday morning happen, especially come August when the kids come back. We can't leave, the ch- like the, today we're going to leave all these chairs right here. But come August, we can't do that. So we're going to have to set everything up, take it all down, kingdom kids. It's going to take a lot more of us to get in, to pull Sunday morning off. And I think in one of the benefits, that, that, that's a lot of work. You could think like, oh, that's a lot of work. But could, you could also think, wow, I'm going to get to know some people I never knew before at Grace because uh, I was setting up chairs with this guy this morning and I struck a friendship and, and got to know him. I think in the context of we're all going to have to pitch in to a much greater degree than we've had in the past, God's going to build deeper bonds of affection and love for one another. The other thing is we're in, we're in smack dab in the middle of a school. We're in the school cafeteria. And so there's this, this community, the, the students and the teachers, that we want to bless. We want to, we want to proclaim the gospel to this school. And we've already started doing that. As you know, a few weeks ago, some people from Grace made some food and brought over some drinks during one of the teacher's last professional work days. The kids were gone. They had some work days. And people from Grace brought over some homemade food and just said, we bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. And we want to continue to pray as a church, like, how can we bless this school? And then how can we bless this community? Uh, as you saw, Jim Nelson put up a, a map a few weeks ago. There's a new planned community coming into Madison Heights, kind of like a cornerstone. And Grace, the new property is like right there. And so uh, God has planted us in a new community. And I think there's a renewed sense of mission for us. Uh, We have a lot, you know, obviously things to pray through and ask God to lead us. But again, I think as we are on mission together, God's going to build even deeper bonds of affection and love for one another. That's something we can look forward to in the weeks ahead. Okay, so then Paul, this is a verse we all love, and we come back to it a lot. Paul writes to the Philippians, I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
Now, this is a verse that can speak to our personal sanctification. Like, we all have a, a, a moment when we came to Christ, and the Holy Spirit came and to live in our hearts. Well, um, ever since then, the Holy Spirit has been at work in our lives and hearts, making us more like Jesus. Scripture tells us we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. Every day, God's at work doing that. He's bringing healing where healing is needed, wholeness where wholeness is needed. The good work God began for, for you, and I don't know when that is, God's continuing to do it every day. And those are our testimonies. And we need to remember... We need to share our testimonies as much as we can. I'd love to hear your testimony. I'd love you to invite me to coffee and sit down and hear, like, how did you come to Christ? And what has Christ been doing in your life since you met him? And I'd love to share my story with you. I am not the same man I was 35 years ago. Jesus really has changed my life. And that's, that's all of our stories. Revelation 12:11 says, They overcame him, Satan, how, did, how do we overcome Satan? By the blood of the Lamb, which we celebrated today, Jesus' blood shed for us, and the word of their testimony. Our testimonies are powerful. When you give testimony to Jesus and how he is changing your life, you are pushing back the forces of darkness and invoking the kingdom of God. You're doing spiritual warfare when you share your testimony. So let's, let's ask God for opportunities. We need to share our testimonies with each other. Again, I, that's... So sorry. Um, so sorry. What an encouragement to all of us to hear one another's stories. Like, what's God doing in your life? And then we need to be asking God for the people who don't know Christ in our spheres of relationships for opportunities to share our testimony. I know Mary Ellen and I, we've been, you know hanging out with our neighbors for like almost 20 years now. And, but we've never got to share our testimony with them. We never kind of get to spiritual things. They keep things very superficial. But, you know, we're doing a potluck with them again tomorrow night. We keep praying that God will open a way where maybe they'll ask us a question. You know, why are you pastor, Kenny? What do pastors do? I don't know. So, again, I just want to encourage you to um, share your testimony when you can. It's powerful. And, um, and we celebrate this, the, the good work God began in us. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's days when you think like, what difference is Christ making in my life, right? But then we go back to Philippians 1.6, and we're like, no, the word says it, I believe it. God who began a good work is going to perfect it until Jesus comes back, until the day of Christ Jesus. But I also want to make a case that Paul isn't talking to just individuals here. You've got to look at the, the context of verse 6. Is, it's in between verses 5 and 7. And verse 5, Paul talked about the, the, the Philippians' participation in the gospel. And then let's read verse 7 together. For it's only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel... You are all partakers of grace with me. What's Paul talking about? Not their sanctification. In his imprisonment, and as Paul was defending and confirming the gospel, they were partners with him. So that's their, that's their service more than their sanctification. So Paul's encouraging this church. Like, you guys have been on mission for 11 or 12 years. Ever since you were founded, you've supported me faithfully. You've been faithfully proclaiming the gospel. And that good work that God began in you, Philippians, he's going to continue it. So it's kind of like a little uh, pep 
not a pep rally, but just some encouragement for the Philippian church. Okay, so how about us as Grace Church? Are we confident that the work that God began in us 34 years ago, he's going to perfect it till the day of Christ Jesus? You know, Mark and Kathy founded this church in their living room with a few people in 1988, and we're still here. Now, to be honest, we've had some highs and lows, and there were a couple of lows. I didn't think we were going to make it through, but we did. And then I said, wow, God must not be finished with grace. If a church could make it through what we just walked through, he must not be finished with Grace Church. Okay, then think about the last couple of years with the pandemic. Really rough on churches, right? We had to stop meeting. Then, then we have to decide, when do we meet again? If we start meeting early, people get mad at us. And if we wait too long to meet, people get mad at us. And do we require them to wear masks? And how about social distancing? And like, wow, the pandemic was brutal on churches worldwide. People got out of the, the rhythm of doing this, of gathering, and they've never come back. Um, some people have gone to other churches Some people have just never come back. Some people have really, and we've talked to them, they're questioning their relationship with God. Like, the pandemic was disruptive worldwide. So praise God, here we are, still together, worshiping God and studying his word together. So, and then add to that, yes, amen, amen. Add to that our own personal circumstances as a church. Our founding pastor steps down. That's a big deal. A lot of people came here because they loved Mark and they loved how he taught. So it's like, okay, our founding pastor is stepping down. We're selling our building that we've been in for 16 years. We're going to meet in a middle school, which is great. And, and someone donated us, donated land, so we're going to start building. But like Mar- Brian keeps talking about like we're in the rapids, like just a lot of transition. And I imagine all of you kind of feel like, whoa, Grace, where's... Where's it going? And when we go through these rapids, what's it going to look like on the other side, right? Is it going to be a good place when we get through these rapids? So I just want to confirm to you today that I am confident, and I hope you are, that the good work God began in us 34 years ago, he's going to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm convinced our, our greatest season of fruitfulness and effectiveness for the gospel is before us. God is like rebooting us you know, selling the building is going to be, I mean, it's taken a long time, but it's coming. It really looks like it's going to happen. Um, and so when we sell that building, we're going to be in such better financial position to release resources to, uh, um, in ministry and for people, which has always been our heart. Our heart's never been in, in, in real estate. Our heart's for people. And when we sell that building, we are going to be in a better position than we've ever been before. And now we're in, we're in this new community, and we're rethinking. It's like God's given us a reboot and renewed our sense of mission. Okay, it's not like anything's changed. We've always wanted to make disciples here and among the nations. But we've struggled with how to do that a bit. And I think God's giving us a reboot and like planning us right in a community. There's a ball field at the end of that, the street here. We're in a school. They're building a planned community. Um, I think there's, again, our greatest season of, of fruitfulness and effectiveness for the gospel are before us. And I hope you're confident in that as well. But notice verse 7 too. Paul says, you are all partakers of grace with me. 
um, our effectiveness is not because of ourselves, right? Our confidence is not in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So it's the Holy Spirit who works through us, who's going to do the work, who's going to draw people to himself through us. So in deep dependence on God and the Holy Spirit, we are confident that the good work he began, he will complete in us. All right, so that's... So Paul, keep reading in chapter 1. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He really loved this church. He equates his love with that for them for the love that Je- with the love that Jesus has for them. All right, and so when you have deep affection for someone and you're a Christian, what do you find yourself doing? You pray. You pray for them. You let your affection drive your prayers. So Paul prays for them. And what does he pray? Verses 9 to 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So there's a lot of things Paul could pray for, but he prays that their love would abound still more and more, which makes you think that they loved one another, but he wants their love to grow even more. And so why would Paul pray, of all things, I'm sure he prayed other things, that their love would abound more and more? Well, Jesus himself said, by this all men will know you are my disciples. By our right doctrine, not really, if you have love for one another. Jesus knew that the hallmark of a Christian, the primary indicator that we belong to Jesus, the preeminent distinguishing feature of, as us, of us as a community that loves and knows Jesus is our love. Our love for one another. And again, that's why I think having to work together more these next few weeks and months, God's going to grow our love for one another. You're going to meet people you never met before because you're going to be setting up chairs with them or setting up kingdom kids. But it's our love for one another and for the community around us that most witness to the Christ who lives within us. So, um, but Paul qualifies the love a bit. He says, I pray your love would grow in more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So the word for real knowledge in Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but is epinosis, which means accurate knowledge. So um, this is a really hard season in life to find accurate knowledge, isn't it? Like, where do you find accurate knowledge? But where do we go as a people of God to find accurate knowledge? Where do we go to find truth? We go to God's word. We want to be a people who dig deep into God's word and let the word of Christ richly dwell in us, especially as the world gets crazier and crazier. Um, we've got to be a people who love intelligently in real knowledge. So our love is based on knowledge and the truth that we find in God's word. And then Paul prays that their love would grow in discernment. And so I think of where we are in this, in this school, and there could be lots of ways that we want to, we think we could love the people in this school. But do we know this school? Do we know their needs? Do we know their issues? I mean, I think one of our tasks in the weeks and months ahead is we got to get to know our community. 
We got to get to know this, 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 this school. What are the issues of the students and the teachers so that we can love uh, with all discernment? And then how about Madison Heights? It's, an, it's, you know, it's the other side of the river. It's another set of people. And what are, what are the issues of people who live here? And what does it mean to love them in real knowledge and all discernment? I think the months ahead, we want to be good students of this new community that God has sent us to. And hopefully we will do that together. And then to close, I, I love the message version of this prayer. I think it's something that we can pray over uh, together uh, as a church. And this is how the message translates that prayer. So this is my prayer that your love will not will flourish and that you will not only love much but love well. Learn Sorry, I wanted to make sure the slide was up. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus would be proud of. Bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. Isn't that a wonderful mission? Don't you want your life to be about making Jesus attractive to all and getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. That's, what, that's why I get up in the morning. That's what I want my life to be about. And the beauty is we don't do that by ourselves. We do that as a community because God knows that's the most effective way um, to reach a community is a church. So um, we're going through the rapids. It seemed a little rough. Um, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. But we've also got a, a new season to grow in love for one another, come to understand the community God has sent us to, and make disciples here in this school in Madison Heights. And so I'm very hopeful for the future. I hope you are too. Um, I can't think of a another community I'd rather do this with than all of you. Because many of us have many years of relationships uh, invested in one another in this church, and that's no small thing. That's a blessing. So um, anyway, yes, we're still through the rapids, but I think we're going to some wonderful places. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that um, we belong to you. We thank you that you began a good work in us, that you called us to yourself, and we have eternal life in your name. We are children of God through faith in you. And Jesus, thank you that you never stop doing that good work in each one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace and mercy that we have in you. So we love you, we worship you, and we thank you for this body that has had its ups and downs and gone through some rough waters. Um, but Lord, we, we sense that you're bringing us to some really amazing places. 
not because of ourselves, but because of who you are and what you want to do in us. So we thank you for this new community. I pray you would show us how to love the people who meet in this school during the week. And I pray you'd show us what it means to share the gospel uh, with the people of Madison Heights. I pray this would be our richest season of making new disciples here in our local community, Jesus. We are excited to be on mission together. Keep us close to you, deeply dependent on you. Um, Like Paul wrote to the Philippians, partakers of grace. We are all partakers of grace. Uh, None of us, we have nothing to boast of, but only the Christ who lives within us. So, Jesus, we want to make you attractive to all, and we want to get everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.